Good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys here. So glad you could join us for worship today. Uh, Several months ago, my daughter Addison, who's almost 19, she said, Dad, I think you ought to do a series on depression. And I said, okay, that's cute, nice idea, whatever, and kind of blew her off, if I have to uh, be honest. And then uh, not too long after that, a few weeks later, she said, Dad, I know so many people that are struggling right now with anxiety and depression. I really think you ought to do a series on depression. And I said, hmm, let me think about it, maybe. And then she came back a little bit later. She said, Dad, when are you doing that series on depression? And I said, good question. And then I saw statistics the CDC put out in August, and this was sobering to me. It said in the, in the month prior to their, in just one month study in the previous month, that age 18 to 24, 26% of the people in that age group in America had considered, seriously considered suicide. And I thought, whoa, we have got to be a church that talks about the mental toll, the, the, the emotional toll, the depression that is happening in our society. And so today is the second part of a two-part series on depression. Last week, we looked at the symptoms of depression and what to be looking for in ourselves and others so we can spot it, so we can identify it, so we can deal with it. And then also last week, we looked at how does God respond to those who are depressed? How does God respond to those who are hurting and need help? Can I tell you what we discovered last week is God runs to the brokenhearted. He runs to them. He meets them right where they are, and he comforts them, and he meets them in that place so he can bring healing. And we believe that God can lead you through and out of depression, that God can make a way. I pray that you believe that today, and if you're struggling with with depression, that God would convince you that that is true. Today, we're going to look at the exact same story from the life of Elijah, who is dealing with depression, and instead of looking at it from those other angles last week, we're going to look at it from his perspective and what God led him to do in order to recover from depression. And so we're going to pick up our story. I'm just going to give you five practical ideas and steps that you can take if you or someone you know is battling depression or anxiety. These are helpful to you um, through God's Word. First one is simply this, that we need to be a people that address our physical needs. Address the physical needs, the exhaustion and the, and the fatigue that can come with depression. It's after Elijah had prayed, in fact, he had prayed in this story that God would just take his life. And I don't know if you've ever been to that place, but he said, God, I've just had it. I've had enough. And he, and he falls asleep and he goes to bed and God lets him sleep. He had just run 18 miles and then into the desert and he was exhausted. And this is what it says. Verse, starting in verse 5, it says, Then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. That sounds good. And a jar of water. He ate, and he drank, and then he laid down again. Now, he eats. I'm sorry, he sleeps, and then he eats. And it's not just a home-cooked meal. It's a heaven-cooked meal. Can you imagine a heaven-cooked meal? And then he goes to sleep again. That sounds like a little bit of heaven right there, right? That sounds like your uh, Thanksgiving afternoon coming up, doesn't it? You sleep and then you eat and then you sleep again. Does that sound good? That's what happens. And then when he wakes again, Elijah takes off in the desert for 40 days. 
And you know, as Elijah runs, you know what God doesn't do? He doesn't say a word. He allows Elijah space. He lets him run. He lets him go. He doesn't stop him for a face-to-face. He doesn't give him counsel. He gives Elijah time to think and process what's happening in his life. And I'm convinced, guys, that some of us are dealing with anxiety and depression because of the pace of our lives. The pace of our lives is such that it runs us down to the place that we are, uh, because of some physical things and, and some emotional baggage that's not dealt with, that we bring it sort of on ourselves. We don't make space for the physical rest that God created us to have. Sometimes we don't make space for the emotional recovery we need to make when there's a trauma or a hurt or a serious uh, prolonged season of hardship in our life and we don't give ourselves the space to process those things. When we don't have the relational connection that we need. You know, God did not create us to be in isolation. He created us to be in contact, in intimacy with other people. And when we are lacking that, it can cause problems. When we don't give ourselves the mental renewal that we need. You know, your mind and my mind get bombarded every single day. There is information, 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 and noise, and noise that's coming at us. And sometimes if our mind's going to be healthy, we need to unplug from all of that and be still and quiet and pray and meditate on God's word and listen to the birds chirp and star up at a, stare up at a star-filled night and just listen and be still. Can I tell you that physical rest and emotional recovery and relational connection and mental renewal is a need that every single person in, our, in this room has. We all need all four of those things. And can I tell you also that no one else in your life is going to guard those things and make sure you have those things other than you. Nobody else is looking out on your behalf to make sure you get those four things. Your boss is always going to demand more from you. Life's always going to throw more situations at you. Um, There's going to be problems that arise. There's always going to be something else that needs to be done. And it'll be up to you and I to say, you know what, if God took a day to rest, maybe I need to take a day or some time to rest. If God says I need to be connected in a meaningful way to other people, maybe I need to pursue that and and have fun and play. When's the last time you played with somebody and just had fun? We make space for those things. We manage our time and our energy in such a way as we create space that God can make sure our physical and emotional and relational needs are being met. I read one article, it said as simple as this, if you want to help pull yourself out physically out of some of these things, it's as simple as eating well and, and being hydrated and exercising. I know that sounds so simplistic, but it's the idea that, that your body feels better, that you also in your mind will feel better. So I want to do something, you just, just this individual exercise for East Persian. I, I list, listed four areas there. I want you to rate yourself in these four areas just real quickly. And so the first one is give yourself a 1 to 10, 1 being terrible, 10 being off the charts, good, and your physical rest. How physically rested do you feel right now? 1 to 10. You got your number? Okay. Write it down or think about it. And then secondly, how about your emotional peace? 
emotional pain? Is your heart at rest? Are you anxious and worried about many things? Get a number. Thirdly, how about your relational satisfaction? Do you feel alone? Do you feel embittered? Or do you feel at peace with the people around you? Give yourself a number. You got it? All right. Last one is this. Mental space. Where your mind is uncluttered. Give yourself a number on that. And now, this is going to be difficult. Now what I want you to do is take all four of those numbers and add them up. Tracy, this won't be a problem for you. She's our accountant here. But some of you might need a calculator. Some of you might need to take your shoes off and, you know, use your toes and count all that up. You got it. Add up your four numbers. You got it. Now, I have nothing to base this on other than just intuition. But I would say this. If your number is 20 or less, you're running on fumes. If your number is 20 or less, you are not giving yourself the space physically, emotionally, and relationally to be healthy in your life. And can I challenge you to give yourself permission, to give yourself self-care. You are important and you are worth it to invest yourself in yourself. Number one, address your physical needs. Number two, connect to a place of worship. The scripture says this, strengthened by that food, Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, we talked about this last week, but Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is this really incredible place where God met with his people and face to face with Moses. And he gave them the, the law and he said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. If you had a top three places in the Old Testament where God was known to be a place where you met with God, Horeb or Sinai would be one of those top three. It was a place of meeting with God. It was a place of worship, just like this place right here. The church is a place of worship. Now, these floors and walls and ceilings don't make it a special place of worship, but what happens is when you and I together as the church of God come together and worship our God together, this place becomes a very special place of meeting with God. Can I tell you the church... These people you're sitting among ought to be the safest place on the planet to deal with your depression. We ought to be the safest people in the world to talk about your struggles with. We ought to be the safest people in the world to say, I need help too. That this is a place that you would be listened to and loved and not judged and helped. If you and I ever had a place where we were hurting and struggling about anything, that this would be the place that is safe. You know, our motto, uh, David mentioned it, is no perfect people allowed here at our church. And I don't think that's a motto. I think that's a, that's a culture that God has created in this place. We take that serious because we know we are imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And if we're imperfect and you feel imperfect, then guess what? You're in the right place because we'll be imperfectly pursuing our perfect God together. That's the church. That's where you belong. That's where it's at, guys is the church of the living God. In fact, I think we're a church that takes this command very seriously from Galatians chapter 6. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
We're commanded to be there for each other. There are certain burdens, that same passage that says, there's burdens you need to carry on your own. Those are the daily things that you need to do to take care of you and yours. But then there are other burdens that are too big and too heavy for you to bear alone. And that's why the God has given us the church, the family of God to come alongside you and I when the burden gets too heavy and it says, let me carry that with you. That is the church. That is the church. And I believe that is this church. In 1999, Duke University, we won't talk about Duke much, but Duke University did a study. That's Jeff's alma mater. They studied about 4,000 adults, and listen to their finding. One conclusion they got is attendance at a house of worship is related to lower rates of depression and anxiety. Can I tell you, you and I need to belong to each other in an environment like this, not only because God commands it and not only because it's great to come together and that we have this awesome time together, but because we need it for our own emotional well-being. See, I believe connecting on Sunday like this is critical. I don't know how you see Sundays, but I see it as a pep rally. And every week we get to come together and we be reminded again of how awesome our God is. Every Sunday we get to come together and lift up the name of Jesus and recount his glorious goodness. And it's another week that he's been faithful. And it's another week that his grace remains. And it's another week that he remains on his throne. And we come together and go, yes, our God is still great. We get to do that together. We ought to leave here charged up, pumped up, ready to take on the world, baby. It's a Jesus pep rally. Connecting on Sunday is critical, but I want to tell you something else. Connecting beyond Sunday is transformational. Connecting beyond this meeting on Sunday mornings is transformational because we are all wired to live not only in Christian worship together, but in Christian community together. And I want to just ask you, God has called every single person in this room to belong to other believers in the body of Christ at a local church. And have you responded to that call to be a part of Christian community? That means you allow other people in the church into your life. You allow them into your problems. You allow them into your victories. You allow them into your daily struggles. You allow them into your dreams. Have you answered the call to Christian community? I can tell you it's critical for our spiritual growth and it is critical, critical for our emotional health. I, I think this church is special. And when I talk about our church, I don't tell them how great I think I am or how great our worship is, although I think it's great. Our children's programs or Celebrate Recovery or Student Ministry, I think all those are great. When I sell our church to someone, I say, you've got to come and meet the people that I know at Crossroads because they are special. Man, they're this awesome family. We're not this clique that's closed to other people. We love people. And if you're on the outskirts coming in, we want you here. And if you're trying to find a home, we want you to call this home. And if you want a family of believers to belong to, we want you to belong. Arms open wide. So can I just encourage you, challenge you, take it to heart that if you're not connected beyond Sunday, that on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, there's others throughout the week that you find a small group to get connected to, a group of believers to belong to. You can show up here on a Sunday night at, I think at 6 o'clock or Wednesday night at 6.30 and we can find you a small group. You can check on your card. Hey, help me find a small group. After the first service, we had a young lady find a new small group for the first time. And that's a win because she needs it and we need her. 
Man, if you want to find a place to get connected where you've got a hurt and a habit or a hang-up, you can come tomorrow night at 5.30 and we'll feed you. And then there's going to be people that love you and help walk with you through that problem. And by the grace of God, he'll deliver you in our Celebrate Recovery ministry Monday nights. Penny believes that. <laughs> or you can sign, to, sign up to serve with another team. You can serve God here at this church and, and belong to a serving team. And you find a place to belong where you worship God. I can tell you we all need to be connected that way. Number three. And this is where it gets real, guys. If we're going to get through depression, we've got to learn how to tell God our problems. Tell God your problems. Now, God asks Elijah a question here. I think he gets to Mount Horeb, and then God meets him there, and Elijah gets asked this question. God says, Where, what, or what are you doing here, Elijah? And I love that question. In fact, he asks him again a few verses later, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, did God not know why Elijah was there? Of course he did. Does God not, he knows everything. In fact, you don't go wandering through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and just happen to show up at Mount Sinai. God's hand had led him to that place. God knew exactly why Elijah was there, but God asked him this question because he needed Elijah to know why he was there. He needed to understand, what am I running from, and what is my depression from, and why am I struggling so bad, and why am I feel lost inside? God asked that question so Elijah would know why he was there. And so I think that's a big part of you and I if we're struggling through depression is that we begin to identify the why. We begin to identify the issue in our heart. God, what is it that I'm struggling with? And we begin to vocalize those things to God and tell God why we're hurting and tell God why we feel off and, and tell God what's, what hurts. Now, sometimes you can identify that and sometimes you can't. I just want to be honest. And sometimes when the depression comes from a biological factor, whether it's a chemical imbalance or there's something going on with your organ and your brain and it's just off that way, that can be so frustrating because you say, I've tried to figure it out and I've looked at everything in my life and I can't just seem to figure out what it is that's bothering me. It could be a biological factor. And if you have a biological factor to your depression, you ought to get medication. And if that's been your story and you've tried other things and you've asked and you've prayed and you've sought and you can't seem to find an answer, can I encourage you to go to a specialist that will help you perhaps find a medication that will help you? There's no, there's no shame in that. There isn't a person here that would fault somebody that said, I'm battling cancer and I'm trying to work through my cancer, so I go to radiation treatments and I get this medication in order to fight the cancer in the same way, guys. Sometimes depression comes from a disease of the mind and we need medication and help to see ourselves through that. I just want to say this again. We said it last week, and if your depression has got to the place and you've tried figuring it out and you just don't know what's going on and you don't know where to turn, and you've even thought about harming yourself, 
I want to show you this uh, hotline number again. You need to not only tell your problems to God, you need to be open to telling your problems to someone else. And that there's a number you can call anytime and any day and talk to anyone before you would ever do anything to hurt yourself, to know that there's somebody who will care and listen for you. Can I tell you the same is true today right here in this room? And if you need to talk to someone today, I'm going to be at the next step table during the worship at the end of the service and after the service. And if you need to talk to someone who is safe, can I promise you one thing? I will be safe to you and I will love you and I will pray with you and the best I can try to find you the help you need. It's safe. Now, when you can identify the issue, let's talk about that. If you can put your finger on what's going on and why you feel depressed, I believe vocalizing that to God is a very critical step. Because I think it's easy to think things that would keep us from doing this. We might think, think things like, I'm not sure God cares that much about me. I'm sure God has so many other things going on in this universe that I'm not terribly important to him. Or I've come to him time and time and time again saying the same old thing and he's tired of hearing it. Can I tell you to all three of those, no, no, and no. Those are lies. In fact, I want to show you from Scripture how God feels about you in this moment. He says this from Romans 8. It says this. I love it. It says, if God is for us, and he is, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we all saw it along with the son, now graciously give us all things. You know what God is saying? He said, I have proven to you that I will go to any limits and any bounds to prove my love for you and my faithfulness to you because I was willing to send my son Jesus Christ as a payment and a sacrifice on your behalf. I let him die and bleed to death for you. And if I was willing to do that, I will unleash the resources of heaven to come to your aid when you need it. Because I'm for you, not against you. It proves that I do care about you, that you are important, and that I'm always listening. And that my grace covers you even in your worst moments of life. You know what grace is? Grace is that God treats us well. He treats us good even when we don't deserve it or we don't think we deserve it. That's what grace is. Grace is that God says, I'll treat you better than you deserve or you think you deserve. And, and let's just be honest, everybody in this room, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, then you came to God by, by grace. And, and you didn't deserve God's forgiveness. You didn't deserve his love. You didn't deserve heaven. But yet God in his grace said, I will treat you better than you deserve. And the sin that you have committed will be placed on my son Jesus. And the goodness and the righteousness of my son Jesus will be given to you by faith and my grace. You came to me by grace. Don't you dare try to live in performance. You live by grace. I will show you grace in your worst moments, in your darkest depression, there is grace. I'm not judging you, I'm loving you. God meets us in grace. So if you can put your finger on why, you can look back to a season where you weren't depressed and now you are. 
If you can look back and say, that was a traumatic experience in my life or, or this season in my life I've never recovered for, from or this hurt or this problem has changed me fundamentally. If you can identify why you are faced with depression, then you name it. You tell God. God, I'm struggling with this issue. I'm, I don't understand why this is happening. God, I, I need you to under, make some sense of what's going on in my life. I believe that is part of the healing process when we name it to God. If you can't pray, pray. And God, show me what it is. And you expose it and you bring out of the darkness of disbelief and you bring it into the light of God's grace and you said, God, by your mercy and your help, heal me from this hurt, heal me from my past, heal me from this depression. Number four, separate the truth from lies. Separate the truth from lies. See, false beliefs were keeping Elijah depressed. In fact, this is what he told God at one point in the story. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now, God, they're trying to kill me too. You know, in that statement, it's honest, but there's also a subtle accusation to God. Let's just be real. He's saying, God, I've been beating my head against the wall to be faithful to you when no one else seems faithful, and yet I'm wondering where you've been. God, I've been wondering what you're doing, and if you're facing depression, sometimes you feel that way, like I'm all alone and I don't see God at work, and God, what have you been up to? But God... He, he corrects his thinking because what he was thinking wasn't actually true. And God says this, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He said, you think you're all alone? I've got 7,000 that are just like you. They have not worshiped this false God and they're still worshiping me and they still love me. You are actually not alone. I'm still in control. I'm still at work. And when you don't see it and when you can't feel it, I'm still doing my thing. You can have hope in the darkest time because I'm working on your behalf, though you may not see it. I want to say this. As you're sorting through lies and truth, that's a big job, isn't it? Some of us have thought and believed lies since we were this big. Lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about people, lies about this world, lies about your worth, lies about your identity, lies about how, uh, how God views you, lies about all sorts of things. And we have literally been raised in lies. And so I'm going to challenge you. If you're struggling to find lies from truth, then it would do you well to find someone to help you. And they're called counselors. Counselors. Can I tell you, 15 years ago, my wife and I went to a counselor and saved our marriage. One of the best things I've ever did. There's no shame in going to a counselor. You know a good Christian counselor is worth their weight in gold? You find someone that will help you separate the truth from the lies? You have found a, a beautiful thing. Can I tell you, there's a cost because you'll have to take the time for it and it'll cost you something, but the cost of not going far outweighs any copay you'll have to pay. 
And if you need a referral, I got a few people I trust I'll send you to, and they will love you and they'll show Jesus with you and they'll help separate the lies from the truth. And Jesus said this. He said, the truth shall set you free. You believe that today, church? Yes. Jesus said the truth will set you free. That means also the flip side is true, that lies can keep you in bondage because you believe what you believe influences how you think and how you live. It literally becomes the foundation of your life. And so what we believe about ourselves and believe about God and believe about life absolutely matters. And that means what we put in our mind absolutely matters. So let me ask you, what are you feeding your mind? Are you listening to people that are telling you lies or truth? Are you listening to songs that are teaching you lies or truth? Are you feeding yourself with media that is full of lies or truth? It's literally the foundation of our lives, what we think and believe. Jesus made a parable out of this one idea. He said, you know, there's wise people and there's foolish people. And a wise person builds their house upon this rock, this solid foundation of truth. And when they build their lives on the truth of God, it, it's beautiful and they build their house. And then there's others who build a house, but it's on sand and it, and it seems to be okay. And it's standing and the house is erect. They look like everybody else and they both look the same until what? The storms come. And when the storms of life beat on those two houses, the one with the solid foundation of truth withstands the storm and the house that is built on sand gets washed away. That's when you find out where your foundation is. He said the wise person builds his house upon a rock and the rock that we build our lives upon are the truths of the living God and the promises that he's given you and I in his scripture. And I'm going to tell you some promises that I believe, because I'm going to ask you, when, when the storms of life come, what do you know to be true? That's your foundation. What do you know to be true? And I'm going to tell you some things I go back to when the storms of my life come raging, and it's a rock and a foundation that I stand on. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the exact same foundation. You know what I know is true? I know God loves me. I know God's forgiven me. I know I've been called a child of his and I can't leave that family. I know that I have no temptation that has to whip me, that I have victory over sin. I know that's true. I know that when I screw up and fall short, there is forgiveness from my heavenly father. I know uh, that there is guidance and counsel for me as I seek God's face. I know that God always hears and answers my prayer. And those truths are the bedrock of my life. And I stand upon that solid rock. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is that rock. Your grandma is not your rock. Your spouse is not your rock. And the person down the street giving you counsel is not your rock. But Jesus Christ says, I am the cornerstone on which you build your life upon. I am your firm foundation. Somebody give him praise this morning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you know these truths? Build your life upon those foundational truths of God. 
And if you don't have that foundation, if you feel like your life is this, this house that is sitting upon the sand and every time the storm comes, you feel the very thing that you stand on gets shaked and moved and you wonder about everything and you wonder if you have doubt everything. Can I tell you, you need a firm foundation that doesn't move in the storm. You need to have Christ as the foundation of your life. And I'm gonna give you a moment to do that in just a minute. Last thing I wanna hit on, the last practical step is that we might, uh, in our depression, there's a time to give aid to others. Look at how God concludes this, this encounter with Elijah. He says to them, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu king over Israel and anoint Elijah to secede you as prophet. So God has this amazing 40-day counseling session with Elijah. And after that, he's still a little moody and still a little complainy. And God says, you know what? Uh, we, we've done business here and now is the time I'm asking you to move on. There's other people that need you. And so you go back to work and do the job I've called you to do. You're still useful to me. Psychiatrist Dr. Carl Menninger was asked at a conference one time. He said, if, if, uh, if you were to advise someone who's uh, feeling like their, a nervous breakdown was coming on, what would you advise them to do? And everybody thought, well, they'd, he'd say, send them to a psychiatrist. And there's obviously times for that. But he said in this moment, lock up your house, go across the, the tracks, and find someone to help. To overcome depression, Listen. There's a time for self-care. There's a time you need to take care of you and put boundaries in place and make sure you're giving yourself the time to rest mentally, emotionally, and physically. There's a time for you to get help and find a counselor and sort through things in your heart and ask God to be healer of your life. There's a time also to take the focus off yourself and find someone else to serve. Let me just ask you, you facing depression, anxiety, fear, doubt. What is the step God's asking you to take today? If it's self-care, do it. If it's getting connected to his church, I'm going to be at the next step table. I want you to come. We'll get you connected. If it's sorting through lies and truth, can I tell you, we're going to have a couple songs here at the end, and it might be the perfect opportunity for you to block everything else out in your life, and you just do business with God, and you say, God, what is it in my spirit that you want to heal? What is it from my past that I'm still wrestling with? Why am I still dealing with depression? And you do business with God as we worship him here in a moment. And it might be this firm foundation that we stand on in Christ has been lacking in your life. And the storms of life, if they've done nothing else, they've revealed one thing, that you need to learn to stand upon Christ, that he wants to be that solid foundation for your life. Will you pray with me? So Father, I thank you that you run to the brokenhearted. God, you spent over 40 days with Elijah, dealing with his depression, ministering to him, helping him. And God, I believe in this room today, there's somebody in that season of their life and they just need to meet with you right now and say, God, I know you see me. God, I've been running, but you've ran me down. God, I'm hurting. I ask you to be healer. Make this your prayer. God, I've been disconnected. I, I need to get connected to your family.
God, I don't even understand what's going on inside of my own heart. Would you show me? Help me identify the hurt. Help me to name it so you can heal it. Lord, I pray for the person that's listening that they need this solid foundation in their life and and everything else they've tried to build their lives upon has let them down and fallen short. And, And when the storms come, it's not been sufficient. But today, man, this beautiful person named Jesus, this God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, it's starting to make sense that he came as a rescue mission for me to heal me of my sin, my brokenness, my shortcomings. And this grace that that I heard about today, it sounds great that you'll treat me better than I deserve. I need that. If that's you today, you don't have to do a thing but say, God, I'm ready to receive your grace. Will you treat me better than my sins deserve? I place my faith in Jesus the forgiver of my sins, the lover of my soul, and I want to make you the leader of my life. You pray that. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be the lover of my soul. Be the leader of my life. And I will stand anew on this solid rock of Jesus from this day forward. God, be my rock. Be all of our rock because you alone are sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen.